Good morning. Turn to somebody and say, Merry Christmas. Come on. Because we got some joy in the house. Is everybody having fun yet? All right. I want my amazing wife, Sarah, to come up here for just a second. We've got about half of our family here with us. So Gabe, stand up. Y'all remember Gabe? Give him a hand. Yeah. Lydia's back there. And then Judah and his fiance. I like to say that. Amy, y'all stand up. Give them a hand. They're in, in from the mountains, of course. And uh, so I'm just excited about what God wants to do. It is a tough time, isn't it? It's a, we're all in a battle. How many people have felt like you're in a battle? Of course. You're not breathing if you're not. But God is bigger. Say, God is bigger than anything we face. Anything. It dawned on me this morning, tomorrow's Pearl Harbor Day. You know, it was this Sunday morning, in other words, those planes flew in. The world changed as we knew it. And so here, all these years later, the world is a different place, isn't it? But you know, here's the thing. God is always speaking. When, it, when things change, even for the bad, your first question, I'm trying to learn this after all these years walking with the Lord. The first question is, okay, well, what are you saying, Holy Spirit? Your car breaks down. What do you say, Holy Spirit? You get a negative report from the doctor. What are you saying, Holy Spirit? What can we see? What can we see? That's the key. That's the key. (laughs) Okay. What can we see? Okay. Hey. I'm happy to be here. We're always happy to be here. This is so fun. We love y'all, and we're so thankful for your prayers. Thank y'all for praying for us. That's huge. Um, I'm just sharing real fast. I told him I'd do real fast. I woke up Friday morning and was in that in-between coming out of sleep, and, and it was one of those moments where I knew the Lord was speaking to me, so I grabbed my phone real quick and so that I wouldn't forget it because it was I was so almost still asleep. I thought I was going to forget, but I woke up to the question what do you see? I heard the Lord saying, what do you see? And the day before I had met with um, our associate pastor's wife, I was hanging out with her. Her little boy, Amaziah, is like, their little boy's like a year and a half, you know. And so he's barely talking, but she said he'll walk around and go, oh, good, good, oh, good, good, oh. So I started singing it to him, and he he doesn't, he hides a lot. He doesn't really, you know, he's shy. But when I started singing that, he was like, and he smiled. I was like, oh, he was dying. And she said, the thing is, is he'll sing that. And then he'll say, what do you see? And then he'll start singing, you know, and it's that from that book, Brown Bear, Brown Bear, what do you see? You know, because she reads that. But I thought it was, I said, Elizabeth, there's something significant to that. That's not just him That's something the Lord's trying to speak through. I've learned. Little children, listen to what they say. They catch things from heaven. And so the next mornings when I woke up and I was, I knew it was not just me remembering. I knew it was the Lord bringing that back and saying, what do you see? And um, I felt the Lord give me that scripture in Isaiah 43, 19. I feel like this is for all of us. He's asking us this question, what do you see? And then when I shared it with him, he goes, oh my gosh, this is my message. So 
Isaiah 43, 19, Behold, I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth, shall you not know it. I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And so I immediately started just writing down, and I just want to read what I was saying back to the Lord. What do I see? I see God is on the move. You are rescuing and saving. The prodigals are returning The harvest is here. You are bringing healing and deliverance to people in their homes, reaching out to the lonely, rejected, heartbroken, and saying, you are not forsaken. You are not alone. You are coming to heal trauma, which is wild. Somebody gave that word this morning, that trauma was being healed. You are coming to heal trauma, and you you are... leading people out of their bondage with your kindness and gentleness. His kindness and his gentleness. It's really, I see it right now, with different entryways than they have known before into healing. Um, The trauma thing especially, if you've experienced trauma, I'm seeing the Lord lead people into their healing through different entryways then maybe they have experienced, you know, like you would go through one thing and that would normally bring you that traumatic experience. I'm seeing the Lord bring people around in different entryways back into walking in the fullness of what that stole. But it, it's, there's healing because he's wise and he's coming to release it in a way that's through a different entryway that does not contain all the traumatic effects. Um, you are really, you're, he, I'm just, he's a really good father. I see hope for the desperate, grace for those who feel like they can't make it on their own. The father is reaching out past the walls in separation. He's doing a new thing. What do you see? I see a nation crying out for mercy, justice, and to return to Jesus as the foundation. Lies being exposed and truth being restored. God is hearing our prayers. Keep praying. Don't stop. Don't give up. The breakthrough is being released. Salvation is springing up from the ground. So I just want to encourage you guys to be asking. The Lord's asking you, all of us, that same question. If you have time, set aside time just to answer the question with him and then allow him to speak to you. How many people are feeling a, a new Jesus movement just rising up? Do you feel that? Can anybody feel that in your bones? You just sense it in your spirit. And I spent a lot of time praying for this church this week. And um, he said, Matthew, tell my people that they need to live as citizens of heaven. Tell my people to live as citizens of heaven. And you, River Life Fellowship, you have an inheritance. You have an inheritance, but it's access from heaven, from the heavenly places. And I felt like he said specifically that inheritance is the heavenly places. Because I was like, Lord, I don't know what it is. He goes, it's not just one place. It's plural, Matthew. It's heavenly places. Be encouraged, church. The heavenly places are accessible as your inheritance for your family, for your neighborhood. Everything is contained in the heavenly places. I was chatting with someone before church. We're seated with Christ in heavenly places. Not just when we go to be with him one day when we die, but right now. Everybody say right now. Right here. We're seated with Christ in the heavenly places. That is incomprehensible 
and unimaginable, but the greatest thing that could ever be preached. The greatest thing that could ever be believed is that right now we have access to everything that the Father has in store for us. Isn't that amazing? Um, how many people have their passports, by the way? Raise your hand if you... Wow, gosh, I don't think you can find a church with this many passports. <laughs> I felt during worship, and it's interesting that um, Rebecca did this thing in the in-between is, um, everybody get your passport. It's just getting started around the earth. It's just like this church... Um, you just, you just, you've done a little bit and that's not a condemnation. That's a, I want to encourage you all that we've seen around the world out of this room. It's just the beginning. The doors are going to go open up and people are going to go probably like we've never seen before because I believe that God is going to preserve our freedom now for such a time as this is that the gospel will go to the ends of the earth right out of this building, right out of this room, right out of the people sitting next to you. And uh, of all the stamps that you have in your passport, you know what the most important one is? Heaven, 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 heaven. You're a citizen of heaven before you're a citizen of the United States of America or Venezuela or Argentina or whatever country is, is your home of your home birth. You're a citizen of heaven. And, um, you know, I was, as a history teacher, the Lord speaks to me a lot through, through American history particularly. And um, there's this legend, maybe you've heard it, that uh, it's been said that in 1787, as Benjamin Franklin left the Constitutional Convention, a woman walked over to him and asked, Mr. Franklin, what kind of government has been formed? His thoughtful answer was, a republic, ma'am, if you can keep it. A republic, if you can keep it? What, what did Benjamin Franklin mean by this statement? And what implications, this is my question to the Lord that I was writing down, what implications does this question prophesy to us today? Yes, politically, but also spiritually. In a, in a nation where we often like to celebrate democracy, the founders like Ben Franklin recognized that rule by the people would never work. Therefore, a republic where starting with each person self-governing himself and each state selecting representatives to govern for them would be the best check and balance on the selfish will of the people. See, because most people learned in civics class that there's the checks and balances between the three branches of government. But there's another check and balance that this brilliant system put in place, and it was a check on the will of the people. Otherwise, if 51% of the American people would believe that something is right and good, like we're seeing with the legalization of all kinds of terrible drugs with same-sex marriage, et cetera, et cetera. Then it could become lawful and good, just like in ancient Israel, where everyone did what seemed right in their own eyes. This, this seems to be the boat that we're all on right now, doesn't it? So my question is, Lord, okay, then how do we maintain our spiritual focus without getting swamped by all the waves that seem to be coming into our boat. Has anybody ever asked that Lord that question? Now for us today, 
What if we asked that same question, not of Ben Franklin, but like the 12 disciples asked of the Lord Jesus as he's getting ready to ascend to heaven in Acts chapter 1. Do you remember this? Lord, what kind of kingdom did you leave us, Lord? You know what his answer was? The kingdom of heaven, if you can see it. The kingdom of heaven, if you can see it. Ben Franklin said, a republic, ma'am, if you can keep it. Jesus Christ said, I leave you the kingdom of heaven if you can see it. Remember this, right before the ascension in Acts 1-3, during these 40 days after he suffered and died, he appeared to the apostles from time to time and he proved to them in many ways that he was actually alive. I love that. Yeah, I'm actually alive. He proved it to them after all that they've been through. And he talked to them about what? He talked to them about the kingdom of God. Once when he was eating with them, he commanded them, do not leave Jerusalem until the Father sends you the gift he promised. As I told you before, John baptized with water, but in just a few days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Ghost. Come on, Marlon's getting excited up here. I can see He's like, dude, he's sick, Holy Ghost. <laughs> Somebody said Holy Ghost. Who was it? Shigaboma. <laughs> now listen to this. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, but, but wait, wait, Lord. Okay, yeah, yeah, kingdom of heaven. Yeah, we get it, we get it. But, but Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel? What about Israel and Roman oppression? What about all these things, right? Legitimate questions, correct? He was, after all, the son of David. He's waiting for him to ride in and free them physically, politically. Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore the kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times. And they're not for you to know. But here's what you can be guaranteed. What is it? You will receive power. Everybody say power. You're going to receive dunamis. You're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you'll be witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Get your passport. Because there's power on Jesus' church right now for these times. Why has all this happened? I have no idea, but I do know this, because there's power being released. And God intends to keep his promises to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and to every successive generation, which includes you and you and you. And everyone who's breathing air right now, who calls on the name of Jesus, the power of God is coming upon you right now. Why? Not so we can just win an argument on Facebook, but so that we can preach the gospel to the uttermost parts of the earth, even in Chapel Hill. Come on. Who would have thought it? I try to tell you, it's blue heaven. That's what it's called. It's, it's an open heaven there. In the middle of this election season, in our rightful concern for our nation, who's been on your knees fighting? Keep going. Keep fighting in the heavenly places to keep our ears and our eyes focused on the glory realms of heaven. That's where we must stay. Can you see it? Can you hear it? Can you keep it? It's a matter of our spiritual life and death. 
I believe this. Our friend Andy Squires tweeted last night, witnessing an incredible amount of people walk away from the church and faith for different reasons. I'm not sure if any of this could have been avoided. Obviously, the church needs to repent and change. But I wonder if this max exodus out of faith is just the fruit of the age. This is the boat that we have all find ourselves in. We don't know exactly what's going to happen to our nation, in our nation, what the future holds. But we do know this. You can receive power no matter what happens. In fact, in world history, in the history of the church, the greatest glory is released during times of suffering. The greatest power is released during times of persecution. Does anybody pray for those? No, you'd have to be stupid to pray for bad things. Nobody prays for that. But when they do come, what happens? God pours out Himself. It dawned on me and Larry and I were chatting about this in the foyer as well, is that, like, you know, I was born in the early 70s, and some of you guys were getting born again in the early 70s. And in America, you know, there was Vietnam, there was the assassination of JFK, there was, you know, race riots, cities were on fire. I just know from the history books, right? But what happened? The atmosphere was ripe. It was very dark. But in the darkness, the bright shines all that much brighter. And thousands upon thousands, I don't know what the numbers are, hundreds of thousands, if not million young people especially, got touched by the Spirit of God. And that's what's going to happen. God's going to pour up. But here, let me say this to you. Where are you going to keep your focus? Because it's possible to miss it. It's possible, oh, those millennials, you know, they don't, you know, or whatever it is, and blame... It's possible. And listen, I understand that. That's, that's having those bad days or those bad thoughts, those moments. But I just want to encourage you, don't keep your focus there. Focus on the kingdom. God's going to release upon all around us tremendous things. Many are dying right now of spiritual fatigue. They're giving into. A mantra that relegates Jesus to a good moral guy with many good phrases to use when they do yoga. <laughs> Just be real. Science, it's all around me in Chapel Hill. I mean, science, science. I believe in science. Just not Darwinian science, but science in the form of atheistic Darwinism is God. To many believers, because of the pressure to relegate the Bible to an outdated, powerless theory. This is what Andy's talking about. This is what he's coming against. Listen to me. Don't give in to this. Don't give in to this pressure. How many people believe in the power of God? I know, like, um, whoever was leading up here, um, Will, I think, if this is your first time at River Life, sorry if it was a little too rowdy, but I'm not. Why? Because the power of God is at stake here. If we don't have the power of God, we don't have anything. It's like following Christ without the resurrection. It's like, what's really the point? Like, if the power of God didn't raise him from the dead, then let's go to the Lions Club or, you know, like, Let's have some nice civic organization 
the power of God is at stake. And I believe that we're the generation to see the power of God released. But I've had pastors pack it in, pack it up in Chapel Hill, leave town because here's the truth is they're not willing to call sin, sin, and believe that the Bible is the Word of God. That's unbelievable to me as a preacher. Like, I, I'm, I don't even, I, I have a hard time understanding, except for this, there's a demonic stronghold of intellectualism that's been at work for century, about, at least a century and a half, really strong since the 1960s in America, that wants to relegate, water down, downplay. Don't go there. Most of you aren't preaching from a pulpit. I'm saying don't go there in your heart. Believe the gospel because it is the power of God. I I understand what Paul wrote in Romans 1 when he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. Is anybody ashamed of the gospel? I hope not. Never apologize for the gospel. It's the power of Christ. It delivered this boy from a host of demons. It healed many of your bodies. It saved your souls. It is the gospel of Christ. We must preach the gospel. We shall stay true to the gospel. No matter what. If the doors are closed, amen, we'll preach the gospel. If, it, if things are shut down, we'll preach the gospel. If things get hard, by grace, we'll preach the gospel. Paul was surrounded by that Roman culture and all the, and the Greek gods and city-states. I understood what he wrote. I'm not ashamed of this good news in the NLT, he writes. It's the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes. Three weeks ago today, this young man was sitting about where Marlon was, long hair, found out later he'd never been to church before. Got up and walk around there and sit back there. And then got up. He's visibly kind of having a hard time. As I talked to him after church, he's been up for 36 hours straight, working the red eye at Waffle House, line chef. Um, been through a lot of stuff and just battling anxiety. And so not knowing how church works, you know, he's at River Life, man. You know, it's, it's a place of freedom. So he's just kind of moving around. He fortunately does come and ask me during worship, you know, can anybody just grab the mic? You know, like, is this open mic? Like, no, 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 like, let the lead, you know. But I just felt it for him. He put his arm around me and, and um, you know, so he's having a really tough time. And, I've just, and then I found out, like, the day later, that two years ago, he lost everything he owned in a, in a flood. Completely lost everything. And then recently, his good friend was killed. And he was never been to church before, and he was contemplating suicide. He was about to kill himself, but before he did, he knew a friend that went to church. And he decided that he was going to go to church to see. That's kind of a last-ditch thing. He's met Jesus. He's been free for 10 days now from an addiction to a drug. Now, when you pray for the harvest, be careful what you ask for. It's not clean. This might get a little, like, disrupted in here. I'm just warning you. It might get a little messy. People might not act right. 
Well, you guys know. Some of you who have been there, you know. I've heard the stories about the barefooted, stinking hippies that walked in and disrupted the three-piece suitors and all that. I mean, but in this context, just watch your heart. Because if you're so mad at millennials, you get the point. All right. I love you guys. That same morning, three weeks ago, three Sundays ago, while this is going on, my, mother, my mother-in-law, Janet, y'all remember Chuck and Janet, she brings her phone over to Sarah, and she's like, check this out. Turned out to be her grandson, Michael. Michael Moore. He's been in a really, and he gave me permission to share this. He wanted to be here this morning, but he had to work. So, Michael, if you're watching this recording, we love you. He's been in a really dark place and a really rough place. And um, he's in Charlotte with his girlfriend. And one night, demons manifested in their apartment. And so a friend of her, his girlfriend's, a friend of the family was a godly praying woman. And she, they call her, not knowing what to do. She comes over there, and there's literally like three bangs on the front door that weren't physical. He said the entire apartment began to shake. But by the blood and the name of Jesus, they got delivered, completely set free. I mean... Michael Moore is so on fire right now, we probably wouldn't recognize him. I mean, he's absolutely, let me just, let me just tell you. Okay, so praying grandma and grandpa. Chuck and Jan are praying every morning for the grandkids. Who's doing that? Keep going. Be encouraged. Be encouraged, even if you don't have this breakthrough yet. Be encouraged. And so, um, so... Another thing Michael did is he texted me, he goes, I think we could get our whole family, we need to have a prayer team. Like, what if we had a group chat prayer team? I'm like, that's a great idea, Michael. I think you should start it. So he did. The whole crew, the whole Honey Mountain Farm crew is on a prayer chat. One day, Michael, um, he texts us, he shares, he's like, I'm at work. He's working at this plant. He said, all of a sudden, I see in a vision my girlfriend's co-worker, who he didn't really know that way. He sees his co-worker. God gives him all these words for this co-worker. There's a whole vision behind it. He texts her. She tells the co-worker she gets blasted by the Holy Spirit, just gets touched by God. I said, Michael, do you have anything to share with the church? And here's what he said late last night. In 2006 at River Life, God started... God started a movement where healing and miracles like nobody had ever seen before were taking place. People may feel discouraged like the same fire has burned out and God's passed over the church and been neglectful with His blessing of the fire of the Holy Spirit, but God has planted a seed. All caps, that's why I said it like that. God has planted a seed, Marlon, giving them a taste of a revival they otherwise would not have been ready for had they not taken what I call the training course. They have the tools now. Listen up. Prophesying, okay? They have the tools now. That's you. And when the wave of the Almighty God comes for the church and His people, they better be ready because biblical signs and wonders are going to start taking place 
in the flesh in front of their eyes like it did for the disciples. Let it be so. A high school senior, his parents, they're part of our church, and some terrible things have happened. The mom and dad split up. And so a year ago, this young man was using drugs. His dad said disappearing, all this stuff. And um, about two months ago, he came to our Ben, our, our son, and said, Ben, I'm not doing it. I've had an encounter with God. I'm not doing these things anymore. I've been completely set free. Two nights ago, his dad texted me these rap songs that his son is writing, giving glory to Jesus. Like, all these things are happening. I'm like, a new thing is springing up. Who could know it? Who could discern it? There's something sovereign falling, especially on young people. And older people, too. You see, it's, it could get dark. We don't know. It could get dark out there. But the light is bright in the darkness. I believe the power of God's at stake here. Many Christians... He's forgetting a part that's really important. Is it 11.59? It's okay. I haven't even gotten to my bed. This goes on the word that Matthew just had for y'all. And this is important. Because Michael sent across, he had had this... He sent this song to all of us on this prayer chain, and it was Kalani bending to hear, awake, awake, oh sleeper. Okay, so for those of you that when 2006, there was an album that we were all listening to. It was Kalani bending to hear. And I said, Michael, where did you get this song? He said, the words were just ringing in my ears when I woke up, and I Googled it. I said, Michael, listen, you don't even realize you were a child. You were eight years old, and you were hearing these songs because we were that, awake, awake, cold sleeper, arise, shine for your light, that one. Anyways, what I just want y'all to be encouraged is this is, this is God. This is, you cannot make this stuff up. You know, he's just like, I heard the words over and over, I Googled it. And he just comes up with the album that God was doing when he was pouring out in 2006. It fueled us. It absolutely fueled us. And here's this child. He's coming back to the Lord. Radical, but yet it's, there's something different. These kids that are going to be coming back, they're not going to come back. They're accelerated. This, this, that, the seeds and the things that God has, the prayers that have been prayed in these people, it's like when the Holy Spirit comes and he does this, they're like leaps and bounds. It's like all the seeds and all that stuff is just coming forth. It's powerful. It's awesome. Five more minutes. You guys, five more minutes, okay? <laughs> Do you hear that, Andrew? He gave me another hour. I'm, you know, I'm just saying. <laughs> we were sitting beside each other. He's like, no, at 12, I'm going to get up and walk out. That's all you got. Hmm. the glory realm of heaven is our inheritance we've been going after this for a long time I just want you to be encouraged these sorts of things are what's at stake right now if we don't pursue him in his glory what else is there you know and I just to summarize the apostle Paul you know his story just read the book of Acts I mean after Acts 9, when he got 
blasted on the road to Damascus, this murderous religious God-hater, really, Christ-hater, becomes the most wanted man. He goes through so much intense persecution and difficulty. And when I'm, when I'm really reading it, I'm thinking, God, how does he keep his focus? People abandon him in the church. He's got all these churches with like really serious issues, you know. <laughs> and um, at the end of it, in Acts 27 and 28, he has stood trial, right, with I think it was Festus and then King Agrippa. You remember that? And then he gets this boat. He gets on this boat against the prophet's warning. Don't go to Rome. But, you know, sometimes you get a prophetic word and it seems dangerous, but you're supposed to do it, apparently. Anyway, so he gets on the boat and lo and behold, shipwreck. The boat's going down. At one point, he's like, man, I told you there's going to be trouble. You know, if we go ahead on this ship, there's going to be loss of car- cargo and even danger to our lives. I'm like, man, that feels like 2020. <laughs> I told you there's going to be trouble. Man, I told you there's going to be trouble. But sometimes you got no other choice but just to sail ahead. And he goes on. And as, as the gale wind forces get worse, he said, men, you should have listened to me in the first place and not left Crete. You would have avoided all this damage and loss. But take courage. That's the word to the church. But take courage. None of you will lose your lives, even though the ship will go down. Spiritually, I want to say, I believe that's a word of the Lord for this church. None of you will lose your lives. Take courage. Even though some things might go down, there's been some loss. For last night, an angel of the Lord came to me. Who, this is what Paul says, whom I belong, whom I serve, and stood beside me. And he said, don't be afraid, Paul, for you will surely stand trial before Caesar. And what's more, God in his goodness has granted you safety to everyone sailing with you. God in his goodness now, let's be realistic. That didn't feel good. You're on a boat. You're soaking wet. You're starving to death. They kept going. You're in, you're, he's a prisoner, by the way, on the ship. That doesn't feel good. How did he have goodness? By focusing on the heavenly realm. In the middle of storm, shipwrecks, snakes, by the way. Remember, they end up on vault, uh, Volta, a vipers on his arm. They're waiting for him to swell up and drop dead. Instead, he walks on, and guess what? He goes to the leading official's house and heals everybody there. Wait, what? You just got bit by a snake, Will. How in the world? If my car breaks down, I'm like, oh, God, I don't know why you're putting me through this trial. I mean... Why are you so mad at me? Car broke down. He's got a snake hanging from his arm. There's got to be a spiritual perspective. Let me finish to make it legal with a scripture. Well, I've referenced some scriptures. Colossians 3. Let's just read the first part of this. Here's some great wisdom on this topic from Paul's letter to the Colossians. Colossians 3 verse 1. Is everybody there? Since you have been raised... Oh, yeah, I put it in the NLT, actually, so that might be a little off, but that's all right. Since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven. Did you hear that? 
set your sights. Now, this is Paul's words. This is a prison epistle. He's sitting in a prison cell or something similar to that. And this is his secret. If you ever wonder, well, what's the secret to living from the heavenly realm? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Live from heaven to earth. Okay, live from the... What, what does that mean? This is it. This is it in black and white. Set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of earth. You hear me? Think about the things of heaven, not the things of the earth. Why? Because you died. You already dead. For you died to this life, and your real life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is your life, is revealed to the whole world, you will share in all His glory. Number one, set your mind. Meditate daily on heaven. Is anybody in this room looking forward to heaven? Has anybody read any? Have you seen the YouTube video? I mean, I know Marlon has. He watched it all. How many books do you have on visitations to heaven? Too many to count. Look them up. Read about heaven. It's, it's fantastic. But when you read about it, realize that it's not just when you get there. Like It's meant for here. Like God's meant for us to soar. Amen. Change what you think about and get a word from heaven each and every day. We can't live on just the sustenance of this earth. We got to live on every word. Meditate on it. Remember the parable of the sower. The words of seed, let that seed cultivate and grow in your heart. Put to death, going on in, in Colossians. All right, I'm going to finish this up. The sinful earthly things lurking within you. Remember now, I'm going to be honest, he's saying this to church people. <laughs> Hello. He's saying this to church people. What we're getting ready to read, he's writing it to the church. Get rid of this stuff. Yeah, your sin nature was dead, but there's some flesh still wanting to cling to us. Now's a good time to get rid of it. Nothing to do with sexual immorality, impurity, lusts, and evil desires. Don't be greedy, for a greedy person is an idolater, worshiping the things of this world. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. You used to do these things when your life was still part of this world, but now is the time to get rid of Anger, rage, malicious behavior, slander, and dirty language. Don't lie to each other, for you've stripped off your old sinful nature and all its wicked deeds. Put on your new nature and be renewed as you learn to know your Creator and become like Him. In this new life, it doesn't matter if you're a Jew or a Gentile, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbaric, uncivilized, slave or free. Christ is all that matters, and He lives in all of us. So number two, turn away from any known sin in your life. Like Pastor Bill Johnson says, most Christians have repented enough to get to heaven, but not enough to see the kingdom. What do you need to repent or change your pattern of thinking about today? Don't waste another day. I'm not just giving an altar call right here. I'm just saying do business with God. When you go home today, say, God, what do I need to repent of? What do I need to change the way that I'm thinking that this is going to fulfill me over here? Never stop asking that question. Never stop. That's how we grow in living from heaven to earth. Since God, on in Colossians, chose you to be the holy people He loves, 
You must clothe yourselves with tenderhearted mercy, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Now listen to this. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Number three, forgive, forgive, forgive. Who do you need to forgive today? Above all, clothe yourselves with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace, the shalom, right? Who likes the shalom? Let the shalom that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you're called to live in peace. And, by the way, always be thankful. Did everybody have a good Thanksgiving? Don't you? It's the favorite holiday. Always be thankful. A rhythm that Sarah and I have adopted in the last few years is while we're working out every day on a trail in Chapel Hill is to ask each other this question. What are five things you're thankful for today? Husbands, wives, mom and dads. Get in a rhythm of asking yourself that question. Hey, what's five things you're thankful for today? What's five things you're thankful for today? When we gather around the dinner table, it becomes, hey, what was your favorite part of the day? This isn't just an exercise in positive thinking. I'm telling you, this was the Apostle Paul's way. Remember, he's sitting in a prison cell. How do I live from heaven to earth? I need to escape my circumstances. How? Thankfulness. (laughs) It's easy. Finally, let the message about Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all the wisdom he gives. Number five, teach someone. This has been a strong point of this church. I'm here because of this. I'm here because people in this room spoke into my life. I learned how to receive love and to give love. I learned how to become a son of the Father in this room. I learned how to love God back for the first time in my Christian life in this room. There's so much gold in this room, it's ridiculous. In a good way. So, I'm commending you. Good job. You've taught and you've you've given away, but don't stop. Now is more important of a time than probably ever before. Gray hairs... All the other colored hairs need you. All the other young age groups, all the gray hairs, don't reject them. You need them. Like we need one another more than ever before. Like Sarah said, don't let the devil lie to you that you've been cut out, that you've been isolated. Teach and counsel, Paul says, each other. All right, last one. You're going to like this one. We've done a lot of it. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. Another strong point of this church. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through Him to God the Father. So number six, sing and praise and worship till you get your breakthrough. That's Those simple things are how you... It's really not spiritual rocket science. You don't have to be the late Bob Jones in order to comprehend this. Like, this is easy. This really is easy. If you can see the kingdom. 
if you just, Jesus said, just a mustard seed. If you, if you just have a peek at it. And it doesn't mean that you see the fullness of it or like, man, you see, you know. No, can you just see a little bit? Take time to meditate on him until you see him. Number one, see the kingdom and get a word from heaven. Number two, change the way you think. Three, forgive, forgive, forgive. Four, be thankful. Five, teach somebody. And six, join God and always worship him. In a really hard time in 2013, Sarah got this word. Wait, watch me work, and receive the reward. That's what the Lord is doing for us right now. During this 2020, that's a good word. Wait, watch God work, and you're going to receive His reward. Why don't you stand with me? Thanks for the extra 15. Lord Jesus, just put your hands out. You know, on Christmas morning, you're going to go around and put presents in each other's hands. Hopefully, (laughs) you will. Just put, because how many know the best gift that you could ever get is the Lord Jesus himself. So, Lord, we receive you. Say, I receive you, Lord, right now. Let all the fullness of heaven come upon me now. I receive the gift of your inheritance. Holy Spirit. Amen. Woo, did you catch all that? There's a lot there. Don't forget your kids. Go get your kids. Have a great rest of your day. If you would like more prayer, if you if you feel like there's still stuff that you you feel the Holy Spirit is working on that you need more prayer, uh, prayer team, come on up, and there will be people up here to pray with you into that. But be blessed and and soak this in, soak in this word that was released today. <laughs>